Hello and welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. Thank you to everybody that's away to be joining us. I'm your host, Daryl Pace, and sitting next to me is my brother, Byron Pace. We are the only UK's hunting countryside podcast, and we've been running now for just over a year. Yeah, we did a live podcast, not dissimilar to the one that we're doing right now, just over a year ago. It's hard to be, it's hard to believe that uh, a whole year has passed since we started doing this podcast, and it is it has grown month on month, and it's been great to be able to interact with all of our listeners, especially in the last week, because we've been giving away a whole ton of prizes, and we've had loads of people entering the competitions, which has been fantastic. Yeah, so today's show is a little bit different, where people can join in and yes. call in. So I'm going to give everyone the number. Uh, the number is, in fact, in the description of this. But I shall give it to you anyway. I should just say that before Daryl gives you the number, that if you're listening to this on our normal podcast platform on iTunes and on Stitcher, this will kind of be irrelevant because you'll be listening to it after it's been recorded. But um, if you are watching on the live uh, YouTube feed, then, of course, you'll be able to phone in. Yes, so you can call in 0131-618-8885. You can also tweet us, Pace Brothers ITW. But we're going to get smashed straight into the show, and we've got a huge array of news topics that people can join in with. Yeah, if there's something off-topic what we're talking about, that's fine too. But if you want to keep it... Uh relevant to what we're talking about then we'll dig into it a little deeper uh you can also ask us questions if you want to ask us anything about the series that we've been doing of course the last episode of our series went out last night uh into the wilderness which is on our other youtube channel uh so if you want to talk about that or anything that we did during the filming of that series then that is also okay there was one thing we experienced when we did this almost a year ago is that there is a time lag from a few set, well, I don't know, 10, 15 second time lag from people calling and stuff like that. So, to being able to answer, so just let it ring, yeah, let um, it ring. And we will, and yeah, so if there's someone else on the phone, they might be off the phone when you're watching live, but mm-hmm. a little bit confusing. So, we, we've got a few topics. Oh, I might add, well, pe- well, we've got people joining us now. I might add that while this podcast is going on, all of the postage is free on our website for UK. Uh, for the people living in the UK, for the shop. So you can order T-shirts, mugs, and all that right now with no postage. So you, if you want to uh, get a piece of that action, you need to visit the website, which is thepacebrothers.com. So as long as this podcast is on, there's no postage. So you'll see when you go through, if you go and buy something, that the postage will be free. But as soon as the podcast is finished, the normal postage will apply. So if you're looking for those last-minute gifts for Christmas, now would be a good time to go and visit the shop. So what's our first topic? Um, uh, let, I'm going to go with this one because this is quite a big one and it's kind of uh, branching and I don't know quite where it's going to end up, which is uh, an article that was in the Wall Street Journal, I think it was this week, which was uh, it was saying it was going to be the new, the new issue that was going to come across hunters, which was this move to being a sniper. And the reason uh, for the article was uh, there's a number of long-range systems that are out there now, which basically allows people to um, allows people to have a rifle system and shoot it without really having any any sort of skill of their own and take very very long-range shots. 
there's one in particular by Tracking Point, uh, and I think this is the same one that I saw maybe six months ago, where basically you lie behind your rifle, it's got a scope set up which is built into the rifle, and you hold the trigger down, and at the point where everything is lined up, the rifle goes off. So people are being able to take longer and longer and longer distance shots, and it, the question was, should this be allowed? Is this ethical? And uh, it's, I was going to say split opinion, but the vast majority of the things, there was 253 comments on the Wall Street Journal post. And the vast, I didn't read all of them, but the vast majority of them were incredibly negative <laughs> uh, and not supportive of that super long range um, hunting. So tell us what you think about mm. super long range hunting. Call us now, 0131 618 or mm. tweet us, Pace Brothers. ITW. Well, it's at Pace Brothers ITW. Uh, we are having just a small problem with the chat. Uh, it's not coming up on our screen that's in front of us. That happened last so time. I'm trying to do it on my phone. That's why Byron was trying to hit me. Well, but yeah, I, tra- to, I completely lost track of what I'm, I was doing. I'm trying to that. fix something. He's trying to hit me. Uh, I was listening to myself through his phone, which wasn't useful. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a really interesting question, the, the, the long-range hunting question. Uh, there was uh, one of the writers from Field and Stream magazine was actually quoted in that article. And he was saying that uh, well, the, basically the, the gist of his stance on it <clears throat> was if it's out with the range that the animals that you are hunting can react to your presence, then it's actually it's not fair and it's not fair chase. At a thousand meters, even if you've got the wind wrong, animals might very well not smell you. They're not going to hear you because it's too far and they're probably not going to see you. So is that really fair? Um, a lot of open questions there. I, I think one of the, the big things about the long-range hunting aspect of it is just the ethical nature of being able to take those shots. So yes, you've got those the systems where which are incredibly successful, but can you follow up a shot if something goes wrong? And probably not maybe you can everybody's skill is different so where do you draw the line that's the question have you got uh, a few comments coming through there Dale? yeah we've got one from colin mccarthy hello oh, colin. hi colin colin phoned us almost a year ago to the day uh from the united states and uh, was involved in the show back then so hello colin and we've got one from ragnar one eye which is good name. yo yeah very good <laughs> So, yeah, don't forget, you can join in on the show. Call us, 0131-618-8885. We will take your calls now. Yeah, and uh, if you want to talk about uh, long-range shooting, then that would be uh, a long-range, uh, long-range shooting slash long-range hunting. That would be a good place good place to start, I think, to get the discussion rolling. Anyway, what's your opinion on it, Daryl? Um... Well, to be honest, I wasn't actually listening to entirely what you're saying because I was I was struggling to, to listen to myself. Because I was trying to fix something. <laughs> Uh, my opinion on long-range shooting. I or think long-range hunting. Long-range hunting. I think there is uh, a. I don't. I don't know where the distance would be, but there well, is. That's, yeah, that's the, the great there, question. There is it? a distance where it does become, I guess, sniping, uh, and it's all down to someone's ability as well. I don't know why people would want to do it. No, I, I mean d- I love shooting stuff at long range, but I love ringing steel. You know, making uh, reactive targets, that's fantastic and so much fun to be able to do and a really great way to build up your skill set as a hunter because it gives you fantastic confidence. If you can go and hit 
a target that's comparable size to a kill zone of whatever it is that you're hunting out at 600 meters and you know how your rifle and yourself behave in the those different environments over those different ranges then when you need to go and take a 250 meter shot it's just it's not as much of a consideration mm. whereas if you're only practicing at 50 meters you've got to take a 250 it becomes that's now a long way so from that point of view i think it's brilliant to actually practice at range but why on earth as a hunter would you want to take a shot out at six seven thousand meters i don't i don't get it because that satisfaction for me isn't there the satisfaction for me is actually planning the hunt and getting in you know close to the animals in the in the more traditional sense and that is why i do some of my uh, my hunting with open sights because i i like that challenge that it brings we just had a comment from David CP, which we've had on the show twice, requesting oh, that we uh, tell people what the air, the country code is. So the country code, because we do have a lot of listeners from the United States and from Denmark and Norway, it is plus four four. Okay. So you drop the zero, and it's plus four four one three one six one eight 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 five. If you want to get involved, get involved in the com- uh, conversation. Currently talking about long-range shooting, but we are away to move on to something else very shortly. But we can always come back to topics. Yeah, no, so, we'll, we'll we'll fire back into topics if uh, anybody wants to to pick up on that. So yeah, from my point of view, it's not something that interests me. Shoot game says up close and personal is the best way to hunt. Mm. Uh, actually, you know who did a who had a really good explanation of that it was Diggory. Uh, mm. The podcast that we did with Diggory, and he talked about big game hunting, uh, and he he reflected on his sort of personal experience and why he likes to hunt like that. Um, but I, I think that the most important thing is that there's big ethical questions over shooting any kind of game at longer range. What you class as longer range, I don't have an answer to that. Uh, and like Daryl was saying, that it kind of depends on your skill. If you're a really lousy shot and you can only take shots which are ethically going to kill an animal at 50 meters then 250 meters is a long-range shot for you that you shouldn't be taking yeah it Um, it really does depend on the person a huge amount depends on the person and also what you're using mm -hmm. that also has a a big effect on everything so we're going to move on to something else but remember this is live right now so you can join us right now you can call us yes absolutely we'd love to hear from you so what are we moving on to? Um, drones for hunting. This is something we touched on a little while ago, uh, probably a few months ago now. And I can't remember why. I think there'd been... It was, was there a, a video, wasn't there? Uh, was there? Yeah, there was a video there, there was, there was also Africa. an article about using it in South Africa. Mm, yeah. Uh, and the gist of that was that you could basically survey an area that you planned to hunt later in that day with a drone, locate where the animals were, and that would basically make your day more efficient. Again, it's another thing that I don't, I don't really understand where the will for that would be as a hunter who is there for the enjoyment of actually hunting and pitting his, um, his skills against the animals that you're, you're out there to hunt. I don't, I don't know why you would want to push it with that sort of level of technology. I can understand it from a management point of view if you want to do game counts in an area and understand, okay, well we need to go and shoot X number of whatever species. We need to do it in a short time frame. Where are they on a large area of ground? You stick a drone up, and as part of a management uh, system, I can understand that. But from personal enjoyment of actually going to, to hunt yourself, I don't, I don't get it. 
Yeah, it's, it's one of these things. Like you said, as a management tool, it can be extraordinarily useful, the use of a drone. Uh, in this country, especially, you need to be careful because if you are using it as uh, as as a business, effectively, so you're using it as a a tool that's part of a business that you can make money from, then technically you need a license to use it in the UK um, mm. and across the world as well. They there's some strict laws across the world using drones, um, but actually using it to go hunt, why? Well, I don't. You lose the enjoyment of yeah. it, and also takes out the, I guess, the fair sport. Yeah, again, it's that question of fair chase mm-hmm. as well. Um, I don't know. You can let us know what you think about using using drones in your arsenal of things. That I, I just can't imagine saying, okay, I'm going out stalking this afternoon, packing my drone, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and putting my drone into the air before before I leave my car. I, I, it's, uh, it's something that would never it would never even occur to me to do it. I suppose the spin-off from that, and it's kind of similar, is the use of thermal. Mm. Now, thermal imaging equipment is something which has become way more affordable in uh, in recent times, and certainly the last couple of years. It was completely out the reach of your sort of normal man, uh, probably only five years ago. Uh, but now, I mean, and Daryl, you were using a, a th- uh, the Seek Thermal that's a plug-in to your um, mobile phone yep. just the other day, and I think it's around four hundred quid, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, that it's just phenomenal what that little thing can do. Okay, it's not for searching out, uh, you know, game miles away, but it's amazing what that tiny little uh, piece of kit could do that's only cost 400 quid. So you can spend £2,500 and get something which is incredibly capable. Uh, and also, you think, second-hand. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and t- as technology moves on, this, go- this goes for the same with drones. Every year that passes, it becomes more affordable for everyone. Yeah. So a year back, we we use um, drones and filming. One of our drones a year back was fifteen hundred pounds. To buy it on the market today, brand new is almost six hundred. Mm-hmm. That just shows you how fast the technology is now moving. So as as things come down and the technology moves on, it becomes more available and more people want to use it. Mm-hmm. And it's almost exactly the same discussion with uh, <clears throat> thermal for let's take stalking for example, uh, stalking anywhere in the world, is. Why would you want to use it? Now, as a management tool, I can completely understand that. It could really help you get on top of problem areas if you're having, say, damage to young plantations. And as a manager of a population area, I can see where it would where it would have its application. <clears throat> but as a recreational stalker who you know, gains enjoyment out of going hunting... I don't. I don't personally get the the using thermal to be able to spot the deer easier. I get a huge amount of satisfaction out of spotting the. I mean, as it is, we're using binoculars, uh, you know, to to aid us. I, Where I'd do you I, draw the I, line? I'd say that now that is just an accepted standard tool. Standard tool. Mm. When binos aren't cheap either. Well, some of them <laughs> aren't. Uh, Where do you draw the line? Um, We'd like to know your opinions. Thermal drones. I mean, that would be the it's next. Or, it's thing. already out. Yeah, I mean, it's they done. already exist. DJI have right? already announced it's six th- six grand for the thermal um, cap, just for the camera, cam- just for right. the camera though, uh, from DJI. So it does exist. And like we just discussed, five years time, that six grand will be two grand. Mm. <laughs> so can you imagine yourself going out hunting? getting your drone out of the car with this little thermal camera on, flying it over the farm that you've got permission on and identifying where all the road deer are. 
for me, I would get absolutely no enjoyment out of that. But as I said, I can completely understand it as as a job. If you know that you need to go in half the population in an area for whatever the reason may be, and it needs to be done in, in a short period of time, I can see the efficiencies of that, obviously. I think we should just mention once again, because we've got quite a few new people watching, that as we speak right now on our shop for everyone in the UK, you can purchase all the stuff we've got for sale there, which is the T-shirts, the mugs, um, DVDs. They are all free postage while we are live right now. So if you go on to thepacebrothers.com, all the Ws, thepacebrothers.com, head to the shop, free postage while we're live right now. Mm. So don't miss out. <laughs> as soon as the podcast is over, then uh, the postage will apply again. Um, have we got any any more comments there, Daryl, before we move on? To uh, we do. We've got one from Colin. Uh, McCarthy, uh, hunting should be a learned skill, not something that's enhanced with technology. Mm, um, he also Colin. says he'll try and call later, but he's at work. <laughs> uh, Colin lives, I think, in New York, so it's yeah, it's still middle of the work day. Uh, we've got one from Tom. Completely agree with Byron. Not for me, uh, for me as a recreational uh, stalker, but useful a bit of kit for the professional. I'm assuming talking about thermal, perhaps. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I guess probably thermal. Uh, probably shoot thermal. game, herd management, yes. Mm. It's yeah. Man, man, the thing is, is management is, it's very different, isn't it? I mean, just before we move off that, one aspect of using very affordable thermal is it. It is for anybody who's used them for, say, vermin control or use them for any other purpose, you will know how easy it is to spot animals. It's, it's incredibly easy to spot animals. That's why, of course, why the police use it to chase down people from a helicopter. <laughs> there could be, over a period of time, if enough people were using thermal, a serious knock-on effect populations. Because undoubtedly, people are going to abuse that technology that's in their hand. It doesn't matter what industry you're talking about, uh, inside hunting, outside hunting, technology always gets pushed and abused at some point especially once it becomes affordable. So I, I think you, we've got some serious questions in the future, and probably not too distant future, about whether whether it should be actually allowed. You know, Should there be a code of conduct out there that, I suppose if it was a code of conduct that wouldn't prevent people, but it exists to say to people, you shouldn't be using thermal imaging for recreational stalking because it's an unfair advantage to the animals because we could very well end up in a situation where we end up with population dips possibly in some areas maybe some of the areas that are hunted more more intensity down south is what i was thinking of rather than sort of open across the highlands should we move on to something else yes we can have you got something well i was going to say we're still waiting on we we had a call before we started and they were going to call back, and we're not sure where they've gone now. So anyone can call in right now, join in the discussion. Even if it's to say hi, you can ask us anything about anything. Uh, and the number is 0131 618 8885 for the people that are abroad, plus 44. <laughs> and drop this here. Yeah. So should we move on? This is, Should we move on to animal fat? Oh, yes, this is, this is a good one, and this is very relevant. Now, very I'm recent. sure nearly every single person that's watching has heard about the animal fat being used in banknotes. For some reason, it caused an absolute uproar in this country with a petition of 110,000 signatures. As many as that? Yeah, they got oh, it wow. very quickly. Um, that's the answer to everyone's problems nowadays, is start a petition. E-petitions will <laughs> solve the world's problems. Solve the world's problems. Now... 
the problem they have with it is, uh, I looked at the position, it's the vegans, vegetarians, and they also bring some religious groups into it on the petition. Uh, they're upset because the new £5 notes use, I've just gone tallow. on... Tallow. Tallow. Yeah, they use tallow in the process for making them. So they're very upset that there's an animal being used to make the, make the notes. So I went and asked my friend, my friend is a PhD chemistry. He's actually just got his doctorate. Yeah, he's he? got his doctorate. So I said, explain to me how much of a cow is actually in these notes uh, and what they're used. Now, it's used as part of the process of making them. So there is only trace amounts left. And he came back with, there is about 350 million notes made out of a single cow. And the fact that they only have trace amounts means that they have to have less than one parts per million. So there's almost nothing. Mm. Now, tallow is used in soap and candles. So I'm hoping they're going to be starting a petition very soon to ban soap and candles um, if they're upset about the banknotes. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, also, they last... This is just another fact that uh, they seem to miss. They last almost two and a half times longer than your standard paper note mm, now this which, is mean, a really which means point. less trees being cut down uh i i, uh, I don't know if any some people might not have even seen one yet it's kind of i don't I, think I've i don't got one I, here, but I, it's kind of i do on my wallet plasticky. but um it's not here with me right now <coughs> the, the, there is loads of other countries that have been doing this for years uh, when i lived in australia all their notes are like that mm. so it's not a new thing that's just come around uh, it, it's been around yeah it's been around for a long time they're a lot more durable if anyone's seen them they're, they're very plasticky you can't rip them We'd like to know what you, you everyone thinks. Should we be using these animal products in banknotes? Um, I think if the answer to that was no, there's a lot of other things that we use in, in everyday life that have animal products in it that people probably don't realize. Like you just said, candles. A lot of people don't realize they're in candles. Yep, and soap. Yeah. It's, uh, if, for people that don't know what tallow is, it is the fat that's around the kidneys and the stomach. <coughs> it's the leftovers of the, the process. Hmm. from slaughtering the animals so the cow has been used for everything Cow's been else. eaten anyway it's been eaten anyway it's uh the rest of it's been used for gelatine and then you've got some of its fat left that they use for banknotes hmm. I, I, I have i have no personal issue with them using tallow to make banknotes and that is our first call so we will take that what is going to be the subject hello welcome to the interwilderness podcast Hello? Hello, this is the SMS text delivery system. <laughs> Message from zero. Uh, yeah, that wasn't a call-in. I, I don't even know how that ended up going to that number. That's rather strange. So we just got a text. Yeah. <laughs> so some, somebody sent us a text? Please possibly? do not text the number. Yeah. It's, it is an office telephone and does not receive texts. <laughs> if you need to send us a message, do it on Facebook or do it on the... Uh, down the side of this live stream because we're, we're picking up those messages there. Uh, or, of course, you can tweet us. Uh, Shoot Game says, why have these stats not been on the news to back up the note? Well, the funny thing is is that some of these stats are actually online, uh, but they're not in the the main it news It probably articles. doesn't make a good story. It, it doesn't make a good story. And all it took was me to ask one chemistry uh, doctor for the real answer, and he told me, told me it straight. So... It's, it's it's crazy. The, inf <coughs> the information is out there. 
It's like all things. You just got to dig hard enough. And you got to remember with a lot of these news articles, they're trying to sell papers and they're lying to people. Well, I mean, it's, it wasn't on my list of things to go over and I don't really have much background on, uh, on this, but it has been uh, a thing that's come up quite recently in the last couple of weeks about false news stories in news feeds. And it's something we're, we're seeing an increasing amount of in uh, social media where you see a news story which is actually completely false. There's very little basis. There's normally like a small element of truth, but the story is being created and it's not factually correct at all. And it's normally for some other agenda. Have you, you've seen a couple of things. Yeah. Well, there's some of it's clickbait, yeah. Yeah, no, you see, you see it all the time. I, uh, it really depends on where, you, if you're reading the Metro, then it's probably going to be all lies. <laughs> the bottom line is me and Byron have been reading quite a few uh, Metro articles about hunting and they come across our desk all the time for this show. And I tell you what, that is some shoddy journalism. I'm going to call them out right now. They, uh, we, I think we called them out before. We called them out before. And in fact, I contacted Metro to speak to one of the journalists that did uh, an article about Cecil Line, yes. basically saying that all hunting is disgusting. All hunting should be banned. It does nothing for conservation. And I contacted Metro to speak to that journalist and they did not even call me back. But that that's hardly surprising, is it? How many times do you phone people and they don't phone you back when they're going to say phone ne- back? Nearly, it's, not, it's not good, is it? Nearly every day. Yeah. But my point being is that they are a professional, well, I say professional in inverted commas, news company that basically lies. Mm. I think there's probably quite a lot of that out there. Yeah, there is. But Metro is particularly bad. Yeah, they, they, they are. Uh, certainly. I don't certainly think they, the stuff I don't, they, I don't think they proof year. check anything. <laughs> you don't think so? No, I don't think so. Any more comments before we go on to the next thing? Um, uh, Ragnar One Eye has says he agrees there would literally be nowhere to hide for the quarry. You must be talking about thermal. Oh, okay. Or drones, yeah. one of the two. So, if you want to join the conversation, hopefully we won't get a text again, then please call 0131 618885. That's the number. I'm going to mention a kangaroo. Now, I think we actually mentioned this on a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. And really, I just wanted comment from people, uh, if anyone phones in. Uh, and that was to see, if well, if you haven't seen it, I'm sure if you Google man punches kangaroo, you'll probably We, we did actually it. bring it up uh, two weeks ago yeah. on the show. Uh, and just see what, because there was a little bit of outrage about it. Um, basically, the story was, there was a man, uh, well, two guys, they were out hunting, and one of their do- hunting dogs got headlocked by a kangaroo. So he went over to go and save his dog. The kangaroo let, uh, let go of the dog and then squared up to the, the man. He was taller than the man. And he, you can see him, there's a moment where he doesn't quite know what to do, if he should turn and run or if he should face it. So he punches the kangaroo on the nose. And then turns and runs away. I think he was uh, probably afraid that it was going to kick him or something. It could probably do some quite serious damage. Uh, But there was an outcry from animal rights groups after that um, footage came out, uh, basically saying that he had abused the kangaroo. Uh, Asking for his job. Yeah. And they said um, there was some statement, and I can't remember who it came out uh, by, saying that kangaroos very often um, will die of delayed shock. I I would be very surprised just... From how I've seen kangaroos interact with each other and abuse yeah, one and another, each other. I, would I, I be think very a, punch, a punch on the nose by a human is probably not, I'm not going to say definitely, but I'm going to say probably not going to kill it. Mm. Because if anyone has ever been to Australia, which I lived there, 
If you've seen the size of some of these kangaroos and the muscles on them, trust me, when they hit each other, they hit each other way harder than any human being could ever do it. Mm. They're, they're, they look like Arnold Schwarzenegger did in Mr. Universe. They're that built. I mean, I don't, I honestly, I mean, in, in terms of that incident, I, I, the guy wasn't doing it to abuse an animal. Uh, from what I could see from the footage, he didn't go at, set out to go and punch a kangaroo. It was an interaction because he was trying to save his dog. He then didn't quite know what was going to happen as the kangaroo was squaring up to him, and it was his way of getting out of the situation. Um, so anyway, you can tell us what you think of it, yeah, and whether us. you would have his job for well. So, so, so there is some some argument online is that he he turns away. And as he turns away, that was kind of it over. He then turns back around to punch it. Mm-hmm. So there's some argument that as soon as it released the dog, it was over and done with, and he could just could have walked away. Could have walked okay, away. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but then again, you weren't there. Yeah. When, when you've got a kangaroo that's bigger than you, stronger than you, and you essentially want to scare it away, and it's standing there. I I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I tell you, I probably wouldn't have punched it. I don't think it would have crossed my mind. No, I wouldn't. To punch it, to be no. I think I probably. I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think it would have crossed my mind. I probably would have just wanted to back out of there as, <laughs> as carefully as I could, so that I didn't have to fight a kangaroo. Although, just on a on a slightly humorous note, there is a very funny uh, spoof video that somebody has done of that, where Conor McGregor, the UFC fighter, jumps in to save the day and has this like m- <laughs> MMA fight with the kangaroo. Have you seen that? Though? Yeah, I have seen it. Yeah, it's very funny. That did make uh, me laugh. Davey uh, Barndo Scott says, any vegans watching, send me your fivers. I'm here <laughs> for you, friends. Yeah, I think there was quite a lot of that going around the internet when the, when that new story broke, um, telling people that they could... You could uh, send us your fivers, and we'll put it straight back into conservation. Yeah, you could do. Done That's deal. good idea. There was actually, I saw on the news, shops, vegan shops refusing to take the notes you're right yeah down was. in london i don't i uh, and they're boycotting it they're boy you're boycotting money like that's ridiculous yeah i think it, it's compared to other things going on in the world and compared to the other use of, of animal products it's it's a it's a it's almost it's insignificant almost it is and it's a byproduct <laughs> yeah it's happening anyway mm. Um, you have a story about um, banks refusing shooters. Uh, well, you have a, a story that I didn't even know about until this afternoon, yeah. until I brought up this news article that came across my path, and it was about the fact that HSBC have been refusing bank accounts for people hunting. Hmm. Now, I've never even heard of this before until today, until this uh, came across, and apparently from uh, this article that I've been reading, that when they spoke to the top of the HSBC, they said no, no such policy applies, but it seems to, it, it, it doesn't just come from nowhere, this article. It obviously has happened that someone has been refused because of what they do. Now, Barn has had a very similar experience with, yeah, with a Clydesdale. And we went in there, uh, it was actually with... A- with a friend of mine to um, help open a business account. And uh, there were two issues, but one of them was that, uh, that he wasn't sure whether they could open the account, or he didn't think they'd be able, a, he would be able to open an account um, because it was related to um, big game trophy hunting. Which, uh, yeah, what, what, I, I, what I don't know why that would have been on the, 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 the guy's mind who we were sat down at a desk with, unless... It was something that was part of a discussion or 
was he imparting his own personal uh, in his own personal view on opening an account, I, d- I don't know. I never really got to the bottom of it. I gave my friend a kind of a bit of a funny look as we sat there, and uh, we walked out and thought, yeah, I think we'll go to a different bank. <laughs> it's they're, they're, I can't even get around my head why a bank would even have a policy. Why the, the bank shouldn't well, even... They, they said, to be fair, they said that there isn't a policy. Yeah. Yeah. But but obviously it's come because they were they were, they, were, they did look into an actual incident that had been that mm-hmm. where somebody had been refused a bank account. Yeah, if I remember rightly. Uh, but I'd be interested to know if anybody else had any, anything similar. I, I think most people will have probably at some point had some comment or a funny look related to what you do if you do hunting or even fishing. You know whether that be buying a hunting magazine and putting it through the the supermarket till or you know some something like that I, I know quite a number of people who have had sarky comments or or something said to them just because it's become apparent that they uh do some form of hunting yeah so you can join in the discussion call 0131618885 we're waiting for someone to call was, i wonder if it's the time of day i don't, we did it much later yeah, last we did time. it way later last time we did this and uh, we couldn't actually take all the phone calls from the number of people phoning. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll let people settle in, get themselves a cup of tea on the go. Oh, I've got quite a few comments okay, coming we in. we can here. go through the comments. Uh, we've got uh, Shoot Game, yet the news 50k notes spent on a sausage roll. They've turned down uh, that. Uh, Davy E, vegans live uh, a totally unnatural life and they could live in the clouds um, if they think no animals are controlled to let them eat. Yep, very valid point. Yeah, that's. Uh, I will go through the rest of these and we'll expand on that. Yeah. Uh, it says here, I think this is actually from someone from Firearms UK. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, Byron, when I went to the post uh, to post my petition against air gun licensing, the wee woman in the post office asked what it was for. And when I told her, she decided uh, to let me know all guns should be banned. Oh. I suppose after that, I decided to send it recorded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Yeah, um, but yeah, that point about um, controlling animals for, for vegetable products or products that would be eaten uh, by vegans or vegetarians, <clears throat> obviously it depends on the reason for uh, having that lifestyle, that yeah. lifestyle choice. But if the reason is for... Um, animal welfare. For, for animal welfare. Or I don't even want to... Yeah, well, I suppose that would be their that would be their argument. Animal welfare. Then it's it's pretty naive to think that things don't die to protect your carrots or your grain that you eat in your cereal, mm. because loads of stuff dies. Not only are the insecticide do the insecticides kill loads of insects that most people don't even care about, which but which are incredibly important. There's loads of pest control goes on across um, arable fields. Pigeon, and pigeon, all the yeah, time. pigeon shooting rabbits. is a prime example. Rabbits. rabbits. I mean, loads of rabbits get killed every year as part of management and keeping the numbers under control because rabbits can be a huge problem on arable crops. And you think that your organic fruit from abroad, your oranges and your bananas, if you think that for one second that they're not controlling populations of monkeys and other things that like to eat them, then... Think again. Yeah, think again because it happens. Yeah, <laughs> I think we brought that up last time, yeah. but uh, some people may not be aware that as you tuck into your orange or any of your citrus, that there is a pretty high chance that something has died in order for you to be able to eat that. 
because just as Daryl said, citrus is really tasty. It is tasty. <laughs> and, and we're and not the only <laughs> things that like eating guess it. Guess what? Other things like it as well. Yeah. Whether that be different types of antelope, bushbuck, kudu, um, baboons. They shoot a lot of baboons around, um, uh, around citrus farms because they go and steal the fruit. So, yeah. Things die even if it's vegetables or uh, or fruit. And you would assume that most people would realize that, but I think probably the sad truth is that a lot of people don't. Well, Emmy Boyd says, too far, far away to call. I'm in Texas. <laughs> well, well, I tell you what. Welcome from Texas. Welcome well, from Scotland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have, uh, we, well, we can actually give you our Skype address if you, if you, if you want to call that way. Um, we've got a few more things coming in now. Uh, shoot game we'll be out doing vermin control tonight um colin suggesting call via google voice that's good uh good uh okay pete finally found live chat okay uh okay uh what's our show schedules like for 2017 will we we be dropping into the british shooting show in february uh great show guys best wishes for the new year that's from pete and pete is involved in the night vision uk uh, Facebook group. So uh, we, we can tell you a little bit about what we're going to be getting up into for 2016. Uh, we're not 100% sure on what shows we're going to be at next year, but apart from we definitely will be at the Northern Shooting Show. Uh, that is the only one that we have 100% confirmed. And there's going to be some really exciting stuff going on there. Um, we L- last be... year we went to nearly every single show. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Uh, but we will tell you about what we're going to be doing at the Northern Shooting Show into the start of 2017. I can't believe we're almost there. Um, we've got some awesome guests coming up. Uh, we've got the next podcast we have, I think should be one that I recorded, um, at a school down in Dumfries. So you're going to get to hear the opinion of some youngsters. I think they were mainly of the age of about 12, 13, asked them some pretty reaching questions and they came back with some excellent answers. And we're going to talk a little bit about the things that they've said. Um, that's the perception of a young mind. So that's, you know, that's the future. It uh, is the future. It's what it's what m- more more of this needs to be going on is going into schools and have thought provoking topics mm. and discussions. Mm-hmm. And they were really really good. So I'm looking forward to uh, bringing that to them, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity to do a little bit more of that. We're going to have uh, Louise Gray on uh, at some point fairly soon. In fact, I was just speaking to her on email the other day. She is a, a journalist, and she wrote the book. The Ethical Carnival, which probably quite a lot of you have heard of. I'd certainly heard of it before I, I um, started to look into it and read it. And I think she's going to have a pretty interesting take. She's someone who decided that she, for a period of 12 months, she was only going to eat meat that she had killed herself. And going from a, a starting point where she didn't even hunt. Um, so that's it's a really interesting journey. I haven't quite finished the book yet, uh, which is the reason we've just pushed the podcast into the start of 2017. Uh, but we're both going to get through that, and then we're going to have a, a is, good discussion. Is this the it. last show for 2015? No, one more. Oh, we got one this more. This is the last show before Christmas. Before Christmas, yeah. But we've got one more show before the new year. Hmm, interesting. For the, we've got a few people that are contacting us that are from the United States. We do have quite a few listeners from the States. And if you want to call, we can give you our Skype address which is Pace Productions UK. So if you've got Skype up, you can always Skype call us instead. Yeah, so it won't cost you anything. Yep. Pace Productions UK. Done. Or if you're in the UK, 0131 618 8885. It's also in the comments below. I've put the number in there as well. Great. Uh, another guest, just off the top of my head, because I was with him last night. Uh, we're going to be getting... Um, 
Roy Lupton on. Uh, Roy Lupton is a countryman and uh, most well-known well as a Faulkner. Um, he, well, I was going to say most well-known is that. He's probably most well-known for being on Field Sports Channel, which is, I, th I think I'm right in saying Field Sports Channel is the biggest online hunting channel in the world now. I, I'm pretty sure it is. They have more than a million views a month. It's hosted, uh, a lot of the filming's done by David Wright, who I've known for a lot of years, and it's hosted by Charlie Jacoby, uh, who was actually on our podcast at some time at the start of this year. Um, I've known him for a lot of years, and it's a it's a really it's a really cool channel if you like the out just anything to do with the outdoors. So I'd go check that out. But Roy Lupton is one of the big characters on there, and he is not only mad keen about birds of prey, but he is also incredibly knowledgeable. So, um, so someone actually emailed us about a month ago asking for us to do a show on falconry. Mm -hmm. Guess what? We're doing it. <laughs> we will be doing it. I spoke to him last night. I did say to him, I said, uh, we're going to need to get you on a podcast, Roy. And he kind of uh, he kind of looked at me and laughed. I was like, no, no, I'm serious. I said, you are going on for a podcast soon. Um, Darren Horsfall just commented saying, my bank allowed me to use his um, FAC as ID to open a bank account. Oh, well, there you go. There's a flip side to the story. Yeah. You should be able to because your FAC <laughs> is probably one of the most checked things there is. Yeah. Which kind of leads us... Well, in fact, you've got a big thing about the GP. Yes, uh, I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that for the, save end, that we, to the we, very we, end. We do have an update for that because it uh, involves a lot of reading. But we know that um, the fees for uh, getting your, your firearms through for the, the, the GP fees has been a topic that has been discussed a lot. Uh, I have a full rundown of that, but we'll do that at the end. Big topic. It's been going on for months now, is the, the GP fees. But... From our sponsor, the Scottish Association for Country Sports, we now have some updated information. Yep, there is light at the end of the tunnel. What are we going to talk about next? I have on here over-interference into animals, radio tag tagging, micromanaging. Mm, yeah, this is a, another topic which we will be revisiting later in the year. Um, we know from a few months back uh, there was a report out of a number of uh, radio tag birds disappearing in certain parts of the UK. Uh, obviously, this was uh, at the time immediately blamed on persecution. That may or may not be true. I don't think it's been 100% proven yet. Um, but the question po uh, being posed here is, do we interfere with certain animals too much? We, want to, we seem to want to track and tag and ring everything. Everything. Now, there's obviously a lot to be said for understanding, especially migratory birds, where their roots are so that we can help them. But do we need to be micromanaging populations all the time? And can we actually do more harm? Bird, bird, birds question. of prey in particular here, you see it all the time with the tracking stuff on them, disturbing the nests when they're, they're very young. Surely that has an effect on them. It has to have an effect on them. Mm. There, there was an interesting uh, case that, uh, well, I can't, I can't give names or anything on, but um, of a marsh harrier going and being tagged. Uh, sorry, not tagged. Uh, the, the chicks being ringed uh, in the middle of a marsh, funny enough. And the people going in there were, were guided in because it was so dense that you couldn't, the only way to find where the nest was basically to, was to have somebody up top and guide them in, and they had sort of a, a flag across the across the top of the reeds so they could see where they were. Um, the problem with that was that is there it was an in, impenetrable marsh where there are no discernible roots or anything. They walked in and created a perfect path 
fairly straight, straight to the nest of a marsh harrier that a fox would very much like to walk across. And foxes are one of the big predators of, of them and hen harriers as well. So you go in and you create a path whether you kind of realize that you have or not and you you can lead predators straight to the thing that you've been trying to protect. And I think that happens more than people would like to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in, interference is the question here. How much should we really be monitoring all these all these animals? And uh, is sometimes it just too much? I think it is too much. And also we we, we touched it before of how effective these radio collars actually are. And we uh, gave some stats before. I don't have them anymore of their failure rate of some of these these tags. I, I was actually speaking to somebody about this just the other day. And uh, yeah, I, I can't remember those statistics we gave last time off the top of my head. Uh, the failure rate was fairly high. Uh, I think it was as high as 40% failure rate. Um, but it does depend on the type of telemetry they're using. So the, the bigger telemetry that they can put on bigger birds tends to be far more robust than the small telemetry um, that they, they put on some of the small migratory birds, which does actually have quite a high failure rate. So you need to look at that and the types of telemetry that are being used if you're reading about failure rates for um, for telemetry. Mm-hmm. Have you got something else, or do you want to well, recap for people to that have just maybe joined us to? Yeah, we can we can do a, a just a, a recap what we've talked about, or just how to join no, in. Re- recap and how to join in for those people who have joined us. Well, I'll, I'll tell you how to how you can join in. Uh, these are the topics we've kind of uh, covered so far. If you want to join in, you can either call us on Skype, which is Pace Productions UK, Daryl. Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, or you can phone us uh, on. O one three one six one eight 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 five. We we encourage anybody to call, and you can talk about anything. It doesn't have to be what we're talking about today. It's even just to say hi. Yeah, just say hi. Talk about the series. Ask us a question. Talk about the podcast. Absolutely. Up to you. Uh, the stuff that we've covered so far: um, long range shooting and where shooting just becomes sniping. Um, we've talked about the use of drones and thermal for hunting. Talked about punching a kangaroo. Uh, <laughs> out of context, that one will sound funny, but uh, yeah, the, it was the, the incident of a guy who punched a kangaroo in Australia. Uh, banknotes, the use of animal byproduct in the production of our new £5 banknotes. And we, uh, banks refu- um, uh, refusing um, accounts being opened uh, for purposes of hunting. Uh, hunting businesses and now we've just been talking about um, possible over interference by tagging and ringing and over monitoring of it doesn't have to be birds anything Um, all animals animals and birds related to that was um, a case which I put a note to myself just to raise because I hadn't seen it really mentioned anywhere else Uh, I hadn't seen it mentioned a lot across social media and uh, this was just a, a month or two back where John Lawton, the vice president of the RSPB, was um, charged with recklessly and, intention- and intentionally disturbing a nest of young uh, raptors. Those charges uh, were and have been uh, have been dropped in the public interest, was the quote from, I think it was North Yorkshire Police, but I, I lo- might I, be correct. I love the one. fact that it's not in the public interest, but if Mia Barn had done it, we definitely would be in a jail cell right now. Possibly. I yeah. think so. Yeah. So I, it was it was something I hadn't seen really made aware of. So I thought I would just mention it on the podcast. It was one of these little bits of news items that slipped in and disappeared. Um, but 
this and the reason I bring it up now is because this is exactly what we're talking about. <clears throat> I have no idea what the backstory is, but he probably was monitoring them. It was probably to do with monitoring or ringing or something like that. But and probably hadn't applied properly for a knows? license. I don't. Yeah. I don't have any. I don't have any of the details. But it's over interference with birds, and this is coming from someone uh, fairly high up in, uh, obviously, the UK's most famous bird charity. Um, beavers. <laughs> I thought Byron was talking about Justin Beaver early on, but it was, <laughs> he was talking to me about beavers, but I had headphones on. So I was like, why are you talking about that? Um, we have quite a, quite a big population of beavers, not very far from where we live, actually, where we're recording this, where our office is. And it has, uh, it has now been announced that uh, the beavers are here to stay, um, despite the fact that the population in the Tay was actually introduced completely illegally. Um, and they will have a protected status. And right now, uh, they're basically discussing, the government is discussing what kind of a management plan they're going to put in place. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see the outcome of this because, uh, as we all know, most, uh, most, if not all, animals need managed or controlled in landscapes that we are a part of because we have changed the landscape so much. Uh, and I just wonder whether it's going to be one of these cases where they step too far and make it very, very difficult to actually control yeah. beavers that are causing damage. What amazes me is they've basically said that doing something illegal pays. Well, in I a mean, way, yeah, in, in a way, the most successful population is not the actual the, the proper trial that was introduced on the west coast. It has actually been the illegal reintroduction into the into the Tay system. Uh, where they're they're basically all the way through that now. I mean, right the way down to uh, down to Forfa here. I mean, there was there was poplar trees um, cut down by beavers. Uh, if it wasn't this year, it was sometime at the back end of last year, just I, off the motorway. I actually saw a comment on a page saying to do with this article, actually saying that they're going to be given a, a protected status, protect yeah. status in this country, and the the comment was to the the about this, and it was saying basically. You, you know they should be protected beavers do no damage i don't understand why uh, anyone would want to harm them in the first place and i just, just thought to myself have you ever seen what a beaver can do yeah. <laughs> was this just uh, was a member of the public i just remember the public comment and <clears throat> saying that they do no damage that was the thing that i remember the most just the fact that they're saying they do no damage what mm. yeah they probably have a place i mean well they're here to stay now uh but they can cause a huge amount of damage, uh, as we've seen across various um, tributaries of the Tay system. I've seen it with my with my own eyes. So I think it's really important that whatever plan is put in place, that it's it's sensible, basically, um, because the people it's going to affect will well. It, it could be everybody. I mean, there are potential, uh, and it can be argued, f uh, flooding implications to it. Um, but also, obviously, the farmers whose ground yeah. is along the, the river systems that the beavers are in, not only cutting down young plantations, but um, there was one story. In fact, I think it was on... Uh, it might very well have been on Countryfile, where they went and had a look at some of the beavers not very far from us or some of the, the damage after the big floods that we had, and the farmer there had argued that because of where the beavers had built part of their dam and it diverted a lot of water from that flood across one of his fields and he had lost a huge amount of topsoil, which was, he, there was no way he was going to be able to replace it because it wasn't going to be cost effective. Um, so there are knock-on effects to everything that we do, uh, everything we take away and everything we reintroduce. And uh, we're, 
not always very good at uh, foreseeing what some of those implications might be. No, we're not. Now, we launched our final episode of our series last night. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out. Yeah, that is episode <clears throat> six. Um, that's kind of hard to believe it's over. Yeah, it's been a year of filming. Or, but actually, over a year of filming. So, yeah, it's over with. Uh, but we've got more stuff, so don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. It's not completely over. It's just that this series is completely over. Um, and we've had we've had loads of great feedback, so that's been it's been great to hear from people. Uh, we've got we've already done a few things at the back end of this year, where we've been out over into um, in Scandinavia. We're going to be bringing you some output from that in the early part of next year. So don't worry, you're not going to have to wait too long to see some some more footage and more film from us. Yeah, if you have any suggestions of what you would like to see next, any adventures, let us know. Mm. And uh, find us on the social media. Find us. Email so us. Yep. Oh, before I forget, oh, we've got a call coming in. What you would like to see next? Hello, welcome to the in Into the Wilderness podcast. Hi there, it's only John from Shoot Game. Hey. Oh, hey, John. Hey, John, can I just ask you? Can I just ask you to. Um, it's when Into the Wilderness John, sorry. is coming out on DVD. Uh, I will answer that, John. Can you just. Um, Turn the volume off on us in the background because there's loads of echo. That's up to mine ah, off at this end. There we go. See, there's a delay in the YouTube feed. So. Yeah, not wrong. And that's really hard <laughs> to get to deal with. Um, yes, a successful show. Um, much uh, loved by all. When's it coming out on DVD? So, oh, the last one was obviously out last night. So now we're in the process of sending it off to be made. So we're hoping that January, end of January, will be when it will be out on DVD for people to buy. And we'll have a few extra things on there as well, uh, kind of behind the scenes, which we haven't really shown anyone yet. Excellent. Looking forward to it, guys. Have you got uh, any any input on this? Have you been watching the whole show tonight, John? I've seen everyone so far, yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, probably watching them all again at some point. <laughs> and uh, what about the discussions that we, we've been having tonight? Have you um, have you been watching the, the podcast from the very start? On and, on and off. We're keeping an eye on the weather because we are out shooting tonight. Oh, and, uh, it, it's starting to rain here a little. <laughs> um, the biggest one was with the vegans and the five-pound note. Mm. Um, I, I did put a comment. It was a bit confusing that there's an artist has painted on four of them um, yes. that are worth quite a lot of money, and one was spent uh, in a cafe on a sausage roll. Now, they put a value of that five-pound note at £50,000. Mm. Now, would a vegan have turned that one down under their principles. That's a good... I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. I, I, I read I now, the article. I now understand what your comment meant. Yeah. And I would I would put the 50 grand there and I can almost guarantee that they will take it. <laughs> well, I don't know. That's. A, I mean, that would test your moral resolve. <laughs> if that doesn't test a moral resolve, I don't know what was. But that... Yeah, that artist that uh, he painted a tiny, tiny picture on yeah it was four or five banknotes and they're supposed to be worth tens of thousands of pounds so if you've got one of these new banknotes you need to go check with a microscope i think it's the top right hand corner and see if there's a little portrait there because you could be it could be worth a fortune but uh yeah that's a, that's a really good question i don't know if we have any uh any vegetarians listening but if we do let us know would you on that principle 
not take the fifty thousand pounds or however much that that uh, particular uh, particular banknote was worth. Right there, you go, guys. <laughs> what about? Uh, let me ask you, John, just while we got you on the go phone. Go on then. Um, do you? Yeah, well, you're out at night, so I guess you're probably on on vermin control tonight. Do you happen to use night vision or thermal for uh, your vermin control? Yeah, I use I use gem free night vision. Um, the lads I'll be shooting with like uses mm-hmm. thermal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, re- really, really useful for vermin control. But what? Where do you? What, what do you? What's your kind of opinion on um, on use of thermal for stalking for recreational purposes? Um, I'm kind of on the same level as what you were on uh, for stalking. No, uh, I think the sport has well and truly took out of that. Mm. Um, but as a management size, if you're trying to find out how good or how healthy your herd is, then I would say that and a drone would be quite a useful tool in yeah. the future. Yeah, for for management. Yeah, so I think you're you're singing off the singing off the same <laughs> hymn sheet. Definitely. Good, good, John. Well, look, um, really appreciate you taking the time to phone in. Good luck tonight. No, I hope the rain you, comes you off know for it you. Works. <laughs> yeah, it does work. So yeah, you, you're you're the first. So you, you're paving the way for other people to call in. That's it. Hopefully, anyway. All, All right, right, guys. Have a well, good night, good John. I'll, uh, I shall carry on listening. All right, Thank cheers. you. All right, take care. Speak to you soon. So. That's our first caller. Thank you very much, John, for calling in. And yeah. And uh, yeah. Like what well, we said, you can ask about anything. So if you want to know about DVDs, well, that's been answered now, so don't yeah. call about DVDs. <laughs> It'd be uh, a little bit funny if you <laughs> called to ask about DVDs again. Uh, but yeah, call about anything. Anything about the series, anything that we've been talking about tonight. The number, once again, is 0131 618 8885. You've just seen how easy it is to get in touch. Hmm. I have a... And, sorry, oh, sorry, if you call, please turn down the background. There is, uh, I think, about a 10-second delay from us speaking. So when you're on the phone live to us, it gets very confusing because you're going to be listening to us 10 seconds back, answering yeah. your call. As you were able to hear <laughs> yeah. there, uh, there was like six of us in the room. Um, <laughs> We've got a few, um, got a few, few comments, comments here. Okay. I will save my, um, my awesome bit of, a bit of uh, knowledge okay. for after that. Emmy Boyd. Uh, says beavers are incredibly damaging uh, when the populations are left unchecked. They can reclaim some land where the they once existed naturally, but for the most part, they cause tremendous economic loss. It's uh, I mean, that wasn't the listener from Texas, was it? Yes, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you've got a different type of beaver uh, over stateside, I believe, uh, which is different to the European beaver that we have here. But yeah, I guess that would still apply. Um, but yeah, interesting take because obviously they live with beavers over there and have done for years. Mm. No, but, and very good point on the economic loss because at the end of the day, they are damaging somebody's property. Mm. Uh, that's something that's not taken into account when we talk about you know, a lot of things. When we're talking about hu- hunting and conservation, which is a topic which we probably visit every couple of podcasts, is that there ha- there does have to be an economic consideration into anything that we do. Because we as humans inhabit this earth and we have pretty much shaped it. The vast majority of it is because we've shaped it that way. You look at the hills that are, we can, it's dark right now, but that we we can see from the office here. uh, And they look like that because we made them like that. And we can't get away from that truth. And a lot of the world is is like that. And if, if there isn't economic incentive, then in the long term, any kind of projects just simply won't work. Mm. Uh, so yeah, economic loss with regard to beavers. There needs to be there needs to be a balance, and I guess that'll have to be built into the the management plan. 
uh, for controlling beavers. What's your good fact since I disturbed you? No, that's okay. I had a fact about blue whales. <laughs> <laughs> My fact about blue whales, because I was, I was doing some research on an article into uh, uh, phytoplankton, actually, um, is that a blue whale defecates three and a half tons a day. That's a lot. You don't, want to be, you don't want to be anywhere near that when that happens underwater. Three and underwater. a half tons. Three and a half tons. And the, the reason, that, uh, the reason that, that was relevant to what I was reading about is that they were basically talking about uh, the, the cycle of life. And you've got this three and a half tons of matter that's coming out of a blue whale and then everything that feeds off that from the smallest plankton right the way through to as the, the stages get bigger through to the fish and then right the way back around again. Um, so they actually, they actually feed... The plankton that they end up eating, I think. Ingen- well, the plankton that the krill eat that they end up eating. <laughs> Ingenious cycle. But that's that's the natural world for you. Everything kind of works mm. normally. Yeah. If, if anyone hasn't seen Planet Earth I 2... I was just going to say that. Go and watch Planet Earth 2. Some absolutely amazing f- f- videography in it. Absolutely stunning. I haven't seen the last one yet. Very good. It's actually very relevant to what we're talking about today. Mm. About urbanization and living with animals. Which is quite cool. Now we have about thirty minutes left of the show, and then we're gonna go. That's so it's gonna be it. So if you want to get in contact with us, oh one three one six one eight 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 five, call us now. You can talk about anything we've been talking about. Or our Skype uh, is Pace Productions UK. And for the last thirty minutes, you've only got thirty minutes left. If you head over to www.thepacebrothers.com head over to our shop and postage is free for the next 30 minutes for everyone listening in the UK. Sorry for our American listeners. Um, it is not free for you. It does cost a lot of money to send over there. Can't blame us. Blame the government. <laughs> Postal service. Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's tax, actually. There's quite a bit of tax on it when you send to uh, to America. Oh, well. Yeah. Nothing we, but, can, nothing we can do to avoid that. <laughs> no. Apart from, you know, we'd have to fly a drone all the way over ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, next topic. Um, what should we touch on now? Um, urbanization uh, was one thing that I thought was was worthy of uh, of discussing. Which it's actually something that we will uh, revisit. Man's impact on the ground around us. We often think about our interaction with with animals, especially in terms of hunting, and that's often picked up in the media. But what is often not thought about is actually our impact on the periphery of our cities. Uh, Around there, we're not only interacting, but impacting on wildlife all the time. And every little bit of ground that we take up with something which changes the habitat, the animals that were there, they got to move somewhere else. Someone's just uh, commented saying, I demand you fly the drone to my house and deliver products. I don't, I don't know where you live, I'm afraid. Yeah, uh, that was just I, an off-the-wall yeah. comment. <laughs> I don't know how long drone battery charge lasts. Well, I can tell you that uh, they last about 15 to 20 minutes. So that it's... Uh, you were pretty pretty limited. I don't know how far you could get in that time, but not very far from where we are here on the east coast of Scotland. But I tell you what, for our American listeners... It is a one-off charge, so you can buy lots of items, and it doesn't change the the price of the delivery. Oh, the, the, yeah, so so we take the hit. So if you order loads and loads of stuff, so go pile it up. Yeah, pile it up, and then we take the hit on the delivery. And you're helping conservation at the same time because we do give a proportion of everything we sell. 
uh, to conservation charities. Yes. And we're going to work out uh, where we're going to send that money at some point next year. In fact, uh, let's incentivize this a little bit. If anyone's afraid of calling in, next person that calls in can have a horned cap. Yeah. One I'm wearing. Not, in fact, the one I'm wearing. We have loads of them. So You don't have to wear the one. You don't have to one I'm wearing. We have, in fact, there's three to the left of me right there mm. sitting there. So the next person that calls can have one of these caps. Incentivize. <laughs> that was a good, a good call, that. Yeah. Let's, let's see if it works. Yeah, we'll see. And, oh, yeah, sorry. I need to give you the number. 0131-618-8885. It's also in the description. Uh, descript- it's in the description. It's also in the comments as well. I tell you what I'm going to do uh, is I am going to read through the situation for air guns. Just situation for air guns? Yes, been a big topic in Scotland. If uh, sorry, I'm, I'm talking absolute rubbish. Talking I'm, r- not, I'm not going to read through the situation of air I guns. I was getting but, a little bit confused. <laughs> um, but that is uh, something which we should probably mention. Um, is that if you live in Scotland and you have an air gun and you haven't applied for your air gun certificate, then you need to look into it like yesterday. <laughs> Um, because it is going to be a requirement for next year. Um, no, I don't think the drone will uh, make it to West Virginia. <laughs> Probably not. That's a long way, but well, welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you for listening from the States. So, uh, Do you want to just give the number out one more time just while I find this uh, that I'm going yep, to read? So now. if you want to contact us, 0131-618-8885. Now, we are doing this live right now, but this is a little bit different to the rest of our shows. So if you've joined us live and you've this is for the first time, our show is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and it's out every two weeks. It is the UK's only hunting countryside podcast. We have guests from all all over the world uh coming on we've had uh donnie vincent josh james we've had uh, ivan, carter. ivan carter david cp uh we've had him on twice uh now and we, it's endless we we have wildlife crime officers on we who else we had well, on? i went into the police headquarters in Pl- glasgow yeah. with the head of firearms licensing and a lot of this is down to oh here we go Hello, welcome to the Interwilderness Wilderness Podcast, and uh, congratulations on your horny cap. <laughs> hi guys, it's uh, Dave from Firearms UK. Oh, hi you Dave. Doing? Dave, yeah, good thanks. I was just obviously going to talk about the air gun thing mm. in Scotland. It's just, uh, I think it just shows a massive problem with uh, our current political system. When you look at the fact that the number of people that signed petitions and worked against that, and again, the facts were on our side, but because it was deemed... Probably, as you say, all the misinformation and subjective arguments from the media. Uh, the politicians decided to ignore that and go ahead with it anyway. Mm. And it's just, you know, what what do you think we can all do about it to get more shooters involved and more active and getting political influence so that this doesn't happen in the future? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point that I'd say that historically um, shooters and, and shooters and people in various different country pursuits probably haven't really stood up and taken part and been involved in the in the campaigns and with the organizations that help fight against things like this things that maybe get put through which otherwise wouldn't uh and i'd say we were probably fairly bad as a group of people um at actually supporting things when it matters and, and i suppose this is probably uh one of those cases oh definitely i mean even when, when you look at i think the, the number of public consultation responses i think it was a thousand I think a lot of them came from England and Wales mm. and were through the Basque magazine at a, a wee cutout. So, I mean, 
you know, even in Scotland, I think we all let ourselves down. But you can see communication's a problem. Because a lot of people, as you, as you were saying there, they still don't know the facts and, and what's happening. No, you are right. I mean, um, I only saw a thing the other day. A huge amount of people stowed, still don't know that air gun licensing is happening in Scotland. Mm. There, there was a period where I had seen uh, a bit of a campaign on the side of buses and it was on some radios, but it's gone, it's gone. quiet yeah. now. I haven't seen anything for a while. I mean, it, I, I imagine there probably are quite a lot of people who haven't applied for the licenses who actually need them right now. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty concerning, and, and I, always, I think that uh, what we might see is an increase in gun crime through, and you know, with paperwork offences, it's because people aren't aware of it. My concern is, knowing our wonderful government, that they'll use this as an excuse to demand more powers and uh, restrict things further. Mm, well, yeah, I think they've made themselves. If if you if you basically criminalise a section overnight with a huge amount not knowing that they are effectively going to be causing an offence by owning an air weapon, then your statistics for gun crime would shoot through the roof. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that, it is it is a big problem. and uh, Obviously, podcast is one platform, but uh, I think all we can do is that, uh, well, certainly right now, we're getting pretty late in the day to be able to do this if you don't already have a, a firearm or shotgun certificate. Is that if you know people who have air guns, then you got to let them know. Make sure, make sure that they're aware of, and if they live in Scotland, that is, um, make sure they're aware of the the laws that are about to come into come into force. Yeah, definitely. But another problem uh, I noticed is what I was talking to a neighbour, and he just he chopped uh, he chopped all his guns up, mm. and uh, you know that's a lot of money he spent. He's lost, and obviously I, I could have taken them off his hands. But uh, how many people out there are losing some? losing money and they're not being compensated it's a really it's a terrible thing that's happened and it's shocking that the government can get away with it the way they are i wonder why did you ask him why i mean it doesn't cost a huge amount to apply for the license i wonder why he just didn't feel like he would apply for it well, well i think uh, i just don't think i think he couldn't be bothered with the hassle i think he thought it looked like it was going to be more like a firearm certificate the, you know the requirements you need for that and uh I think he, just, he probably just panicked because he'd left, he thought he'd left it too late mm. in the day mm. to apply and he wouldn't get it in time. And uh, So he just, again, but I, I said to him, I didn't even sell them to, uh, I know there's some uh, gun shops are doing, you can get store credit for them. So I think he, he panicked and <laughs> got rid of them too soon, but it was really just he felt he left it too late in the day. Uh, I imagine there's quite a few more people in the same position that have either oh, yeah, been destroying their guns or getting rid of them. They're out. I've just got the guys I work with. They've uh, they've got them, and you know they use it for a wee bit of planking, and they're not sure what they're going to do. And I think most of them are. They're just chopping them up and binning them, and it's a, it's a shame. I wonder what do you do? You think that over time, once this comes into force in Scotland, it's something that'll pull over the border and and might be a consideration for bringing in in England and Wales? Well, I think uh, we recently, uh, I think there was a. I think it was an MP or some such. They brought up a case of, uh, I think it was about 10, 15, it was in the 90s, I think it was actually, where a boy, a young guy was killed with a new gun by an I think it was an accident. And they were trying to use this, it was just after it came in Scotland, they were trying to use this as an excuse to bring it into England and Wales. So, yeah, I think there will definitely be attempts to do it because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the agenda is to restrict how many people can take up shooting sports and what have you as, as far as they can. So I think there will be attempts and you know, everyone down south needs to stay on the ball and make sure it doesn't happen. 
one of uh, one of the listeners that have, uh, has just commented, Emmy Boyd. Uh, this is one of the listeners that's in Texas. He was asking, "Are crimes involving air guns a big problem in Scotland?" Well, uh, from what I remember from the statistics we were looking at during the campaign against it, uh, something like zero point less than zero point zero four percent of the air guns in Scotland were involved in uh, crimes or against offence rates. There was very low very alone at offences with air guns. If you looked at the number of offences committed with uh, cars, it's something like 12.7% of cars were involved in an offence, mm-hmm. compared to that less than 0.04% of air guns. And in most of those cases, or a lot of those cases, it was one incident that there were several offences attached to that incident. So very, very few uh, crimes or incidents with air guns. And there's there's so much more problems going on in Scotland that the money could have been better spent on, but it's just it's just an attack on the shooting community and uh, country sports, and it, it is it's the government just don't like it, so they're trying to restrict it. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, how it plays out into next year. I'm sure I have no doubt that as we get into the early months of 2017, we'll probably see some some stuff in the paper with regard to air gun licensing and you know how how it's played out as we run up to the. T- run up to the deadline and also how it plays out over the, the following year. Um, so I guess we'll just have to watch that closely. Definitely. I just hope uh, I just hope it, uh, it shows up that it's been a failure and uh, hopefully all shooters in Scotland remember uh, what happened at the elections. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as, as we always say, that uh, what we need to do as the shooting community, whether we agree or disagree with uh, laws and regulations, is that we need to work within them. And if there's something we don't agree with, then just work really hard to change it. And, you know, there's lots of good stuff that goes on in the background that we don't see every day that is helping protect um, shooting that's done by, uh, you know, uh, organizations and and campaigns. Uh, But we need to probably, as a community, be more active in making sure that we're aware of what's going on. Because a lot of people kind of take it for granted that, we will continually be able to to hunt and shoot and own guns for you know forever. But if we're not careful, that might might not be the case. Well, definitely. I mean, I know like uh, it's Axe. I was talking to Alex the other day, and I know that there's so much that goes on behind the scenes, and they do tremendous work. But I think the problem is a lot of people they join the organisations for maybe insurance or whatever else, and and they think, right, that's it. I don't need to do anything else. And I just don't think we can do that anymore. Everyone needs to write to their MSPs or MPs, get people get people out shooting, people that have never shot before, take them for a shot at clay shooting. I find that changes opinions quicker than arguing or offering facts and figures and statistics. Get them out and get them involved. It's definitely the way forward. Yeah, no, uh, I couldn't I, agree more. Yeah, agree, agree with that big time. If everybody took one person out with them or or just took the time to explain, then it would help. It would help a situation. Yeah, it would. And yeah, what you say is absolutely right. There's, uh, there's a huge amount that goes on in the background, and a lot of people join organizations before the insurance, which is completely the wrong attitude to take. Yes, it's, it's important to make sure you've got the insurance, and it's, it's, uh, you know, it is a reason for joining some, uh, an organization, but really the reason you should be joining them is because they are the very people who are working really hard in the background to protect what we love to do and make sure that we can continue doing it and just as you've said we should be far more involved than we should and we should really pay attention when you know when there's uh, consultations out mm. for potential new legislation 
it, it may be a bit boring to read through it, but we should take the time to read and understand how it's going to affect us. And I, I think a lot of people, do, well, I know a lot of people don't do it, but the vast majority of people don't do it. Yeah, well, that's it. And you know, hopefully a few good people will be watching your podcast and we'll, uh, we'll maybe start getting involved. But, uh, I won't take it for any more of your time, guys. I know we're <laughs> it's, it's, running a bit short there, but I appreciate the, the time you've given me. No, it's thank quite you very right. much. R- remember in. to either shoot us an email or a message and we can get a horn decap to you. Oh, thanks very much, guys. I appreciate that. All I'll right. Maybe drop you a wee Facebook message yeah, or something. Do that. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. Catch you later. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. Bye. We we are almost out of time for tonight's show. We have about 15 minutes left, so if you want to call in, it's 0131-618-8885. Or Skype, yep. Pace Productions UK. Search for that and you should find it. Uh, Emmy Boyd said, so they're creating laws for a problem that doesn't really exist. Um, yeah, I, I guess yeah, you, probably yeah. Could, you probably could argue that, yeah. Mm-hmm. You could you could ar- argue that. Um, ah, Marcus has just uh, commented. Uh, now we should probably explain who Marcus. Yeah, is, we'll actually. explain who Marcus is. Now, this is one of the things that goes on behind the scenes, and this is one of the reasons why I absolutely love the hunting community. There is, a, we, we, in fact, we're talking about working together. There is infighting in the hunting community, which I think you were going to cover at yeah, some I'll, point. Yeah, I'll talk about it if we got uh, time. But this is one of the magical things of the the hunting countryside community across the world. Uh, we were driving from Scotland to Norway like crazy people, and. This is what, one in the morning? One in the morning, we yeah. get a message from Marcus, who we had never met before. He followed us on Instagram, and he was like, where are you guys? And we were driving through Sweden, and we told him where we are, and he went, well, meet me in a lay-by. One in the morning, and uh, I'll have a care package for you. We arrive at this lay-by. There he is. Coffee, got an ammo tin full of uh, sweets, meat. Everything to keep us going for the drive to Norway because we drove to Norway in 24 hours. Yeah, from when we got <laughs> off the ferry in uh, in Holland to just north east of Oslo, 24 hours. So you know these are the things that go on behind the scenes for for us when we're filming and stuff like that. All these kind things that that happen to us. Generally speaking, you know the the, the people that we meet along the way who are are hunters or just interested, they're just they're awesome people. And, and Marcus is a great example of that. Uh, he went out of his way to bring us some stuff, and uh, we've been uh, speaking ever since. Yep. And uh, it, yeah, it's it's great, great to hear from people. So this is the last. I just saw uh, I just saw some orders coming in. So this is the last fifteen minutes that you can order from our shop on www.thepacebrothers.com and get free delivery on items. Mm-hmm. So did did Marcus have a comment, or did he just uh, logged in? I can't remember why we. Oh yeah, he did have a comment. Uh, there was a reason that we were talking about. He was singing our praises. Oh, so okay. should I read that out or not? <laughs> I think that's good enough. Yeah, that's good enough. Yeah. I think that's good enough. So thank you, Marcus. And uh, yeah, if you've got any stories of people just being incredibly kind who you've never met, but that common bond is hunting, and I'm sure there's loads of stories like that, uh, then do let us know. In fact, when I was a lot more years ago than I want to think about right now, uh, I was in Africa for a bit and I was doing some, uh, I was just doing some writing and taking some pictures in a hunting outfit. And I met two professional hunters who were there. There was about seven or eight of them and they were all guiding clients for the, the outfitter. And, uh, those two guys, maybe eight, nine years ago now are two of my best friends. And, uh, I see them almost every year. 
and we've done a lot of hunting together and that was just just a common bond of hunting i didn't know them from anybody else when i arrived there and i wasn't even hunting myself i was just taking pictures and writing and yep. uh, one friend he's just he's just been over for almost a month actually over to scotland and uh, left back to south africa about four weeks ago I mean, the same goes to when we arrived in Norway. It, it just, you know, you meet a group of people, you don't know them from anyone else, and you just get on with them because you just all have this common um, denominator. Yeah, yeah, this is common, a common idea that you that you understand. Yeah. And and now one's coming over to Scotland to hunt with us in January. Lisa. Yes, yes, we do. Um, in fact, all of the people who are coming to hunt on our wilderness hunt in uh, in January are oh. from Scandinavia. <laughs> Sweden so and Norway, yeah. It's awesome. So I was saying before, before we got the phone call, I'll just go over it very quickly, mm. that this live show is quite unusual for us. We do our shows normally on um, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and our biggest audience is on iTunes. We have thousands and thousands of people downloading every single month the show. So thank you so much for everyone that's downloaded because this is the last show before Christmas. So it's... I guess a good time to say thank you to all the people that have been listening. We've got a massive amount of people that listen um, all across the UK. We also have a huge amount of listeners now in the United States and Canada. Um, So thank you for the listeners that are out there. And we have also a lot of listeners in Sweden, Norway, and Australia. Yeah, We we have listeners all over the world, but those are the main, main places that we have people listening. We've got a South Korean listener too. We also have one <laughs> South Korean listener and we managed to find him. Yes, we mentioned it um, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago and then we had a message saying, I think I'm your South Korean listener and he's an expat who's obviously working there and he listens to our podcast from South Korea. So I can't remember what your name is, but we'll give you a shout out since you're our only oh, listener South, South Korean Korea. listener. You need to get some more South Koreans listening to the show. That's, it was absolutely amazing when we saw the geographic and we're like, one from South Korea, Yes. <laughs> Uh, and we've got a, a load of listeners from the southeast of England as well. Yeah, we do. Yeah, really, uh, there's a big hub down in uh, in London in the southeast. So if you're from the southeast of England or London, hello. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you going over? Yeah, I think GP? I'll, I'll go through. It's rather. So this, this is our last long. big big thing for the night before we we sign off. It's uh, it's rather long and it's uh, but it's very important, uh, and it's been sent to me by um, Alex, the director of Sax. Uh, who is, of course, the, the sponsor of this podcast, the Scottish Association for Country Sport, who we, we just mentioned a moment ago. Um, and this is relevant as of right now, which is the um, December, the whatever the date is today. It is. Hang on. It is the 15th. Okay, it is the 15th of December, 2016. And this, uh, this story has changed a lot in the, in last month. So this is relevant as of right now. Uh, so to give you a bit of background, in April there was a new system for medical evidence for firearms licensing that went live in Scotland. <clears throat> uh, due to IT processes, the launch in England and Wales uh, would mainly be delayed until October 2016. Uh, the new system was in two parts. The first part was a questionnaire to GPs asking if the applicant, this was for a grant or renewal, has uh, any of the listed relevant uh, medical conditions. Um, anyone who's applied will, will have probably come past those before, depression, terminal illness. Um, etc. And the second part was a request to the GP to place a special code on your medical record as a reminder to the GP that their patient possesses a firearm via a certificate. And if the patient went to see the GP and was obviously of concern, uh, for example, um, was had suicidal, um, <clears throat> they thought that they were having suicidal tendencies, 
then the the GP would see on the screen that, that they ha- had a certificate and they would let the police know. <clears throat> so that was the basis of the system. Um, in Scotland, uh, Scot- it, Scotland ended up being the unintended guinea pig for this because it rolled out here first. Um, and But it has the potential to help shooters, uh, but this process has the potential to help shooters and shooting. Um, but it was the the system was flawed in practice. It was basically a really good idea that was messed up uh, by poor forethought, execution, and communication. Uh, in the subsequent one, months after this, a number of GP practices in Scotland and later in England refused to engage with new medical evidence with the new medical evidence system. Generally, this was based on two things: either confusion after GPs read the poorly worded, worded Home Office drafted letter to them. Uh, and contrary uh, guidance from the British Medical Association, which and they had actually been involved uh, in the two and a half years of decision making before the system came into place, um, where they were actually supporting it, but they pulled out of supporting it basically 24 hours before it went uh, went live, which was really useful. Uh, shooters then became the uh, unwilling political pawn in a wider game. Uh, Scottish Association of uh, uh, for Country Sports uh, foresaw the GP issue back in June 2015. So, you know, we're going back more than a year ago now. Um, and they pulled out every stop uh, and favoured to get GPs back on side. Uh, for many GPs, their refusal was based on poor information and a lack of understanding of what was actually being asked of them. Uh, a lot of hard work uh, went into resolving the problem at a local and national level, and uh, level, and in particular, Sachs would like to thank Police Scotland. I know that they had obviously had a massive role in in, in helping to fix this um, for their resolve and foresight in sorting many of the local issues. Sachs itself has thrown uh, in every possible effort to this, and I know that they have been uh, working night and day on this in the background to try and get this sorted. Um, so they've been working to try and stop it basically becoming a bigger problem than it already was. Uh, with the combined efforts of Police Scotland and partner organisations, including Bath Scotland, uh, they've effectively brought the issue to a positive conclusion. It was a frustration for Sachs that certain individuals were in denial about the potential for a nationwide problem, but hopefully they are now a long way forward from that. So this is the current position. Do, I, I was just going to say, anything? Uh, for people listening, because we do have a few American listeners, and I'm not sure if GP translates to all across uh, the world. GP is a doctor's practice. Yeah, a general so, practice. So we're, we're currently talking about the problem of medical certificates for your firearms. Well, for your fire, we're talking about firearm certificates and getting a medical certificate f- to get your which license. Which was being charged. Which was being charged, charged for or denied. Or well, they 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 wouldn't fill it in. They wouldn't fill it in, yeah. So this is the current position. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, the BMA, under pressure from the police and Home Office and shooting organi- organizations such as Sachs, uh, gave way to common sense and published new guidance requesting that GPs, doctors, um, to engage with the new system and made it clear that they could be creating a liability for themselves if they did not. Obviously. You know, this is in places as, as a public, as part of public safety. Um, as soon as the new BMA guidance went live, uh, with Sachs and Basque Scotland's uh, support, Police Scotland wrote to all the non-engaging GPs at the time that was 57 uh, to inform them of the BMA change of guidance. As a direct result, uh, the number of non-engaging GP practices in Scotland has now fallen from 110 
back to uh, back in August to 57 out of 966 to just 10 now. Um, it is likely that the some of the remainder will come on side after internal meetings, which would be really good. Well, um, that is a big document you're reading. <laughs> yeah, it, it is huge. Uh, um, no, that's actually I'm on the last page. Okay, I'm, I'm near the end, but it's all important stuff because there has the forums have just been in the UK have been, been full of this for months now. Yeah, of people not knowing what to do, not knowing whether they should pay, not really understanding why the system. We changed. we might actually put this out as a separate um, show just so that people can download it for the yeah. information. Um. Right, so I'm going to... Uh, yes, I'm just going to skip ahead to here. Um, so in Scotland, there were two um, two principal issues, confusion and the BMA's negative guidance, uh, which have been effectively resolved now. BMA stands for? British, uh, British Medical Association. There you go. Um, given that England and Wales uh, moved to the new system later in the year, and there are still ex uh, existing uh, large licensing backlogs in many areas, there is obviously concern uh, that the situation there could get worse before it gets better. On a positive note, Scotland has now proved, eventually, that the new medical evidence system can work. Uh, the questionnaire letter has been redrafted to remove any confusion, and the vast majority of GPs have placed the special codes on the shooter's medical records. So hopefully in time, this will lead to longer certificate terms. That's the aim. And this is the very last bit because this is to do with GPs uh, charging fees. Now that the GP refusals problem has effectively been resolved, we can sit down at a Great Britain level and discuss fees for GP work. Uh, it is um, Scottish Association for Country Sports and Police Scotland's position that the GP medical questionnaire was a one-off exercise. With an effective code on medical records, there would be no need, to, uh, no need for a full medical questionnaire uh, though they see uh, the value in confirming the code is still on the medical record. Uh, if it is a one-off exercise, then the issue of fees, unless they are you know, ridiculously high, is pretty much insignificant. Um, however, others in England and Wales assume that the questionnaire will be in every renewal, in which case the fees then become an issue because you'd be doing it every time you'd be renewing. Um, at heart, the GPs can charge for their time uh, they are private contractors to the NHS, albeit providing a public health function under that contract. And as you'll appreciate, the fees issue will run on for some time. And there is a note that I did say this at the start, that please note this information is correct at the time of this podcast, uh, which is the 15th of December. Um, contact your chosen shooting organization to keep abreast of any changes. Someone's just asked, could a GP's personal opinion hinder things? It um... I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can no. answer that. I think it was certainly causing issues. Before, yeah. Um, before. But I tell you what, I'll try and find out mm -hmm. for the next for the next show and try and find out. That is almost us done for the evening. So thank you very much for everyone that's listening. You have a few minutes left to head over to our web shop on www. All the Ws. All the Ws. Thepacebrothers.com. And go and get yourself a Wicked T-shirt, which Byron will, will hold up to the camera. He's got both of them there. Yeah, one, one this is our time. chance. Uh, and if you order today, we'll get it out in time for Christmas. I can't see the screen anymore. Can that's right. It's that? fine. Yeah, they can see that. So that is right. one of the T-shirts. Next one. I might add that it's free delivery right now on the shop while we're on live. There's our next one. 
I would show you the mugs, but we don't actually have any of them near us right now. There you go. So that's the two very cool designs that uh, my uh, long-suffering girlfriend helped put together and put on those t-shirts. Um, and you can, well, they can be yours. Just visit the shop. I think that's us. Done. I think that's a wrap. So join us again every two weeks on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. If you need any more information, just head over to the website that we just gave you, thepacebrothers.com. All the information on how to download the shows is on there. Like I said before, uh, 90% of all our listeners listen through iTunes and they can just download it on the iTunes app. All you have to search for is Pace Brothers Into the Wilderness and you're done. We don't do these live shows very often, so check out for the next one when we do it at some point in the future. And if you are listening after this live show went out, um, then and you have comments on any of the things that we brought up, which we didn't really dig into particularly deep because it was more sort of posing questions, uh, then fire any answers over to us on our various social media platforms, on Facebook, on Instagram, on uh, on Twitter, or you can send us an email, podcast at paceproductionsuk.com. And we will uh, maybe, re- well, I think we probably will probably uh, revisit the vast majority of the stuff that we kind of touched on today at some point in 2017. Yep. And I hope everyone has a good Christmas because this is the last uh, show before Christmas. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it no, is. It is. But we, we can you. wish you a happy new year in the next podcast. We can w- one yeah, between we... Christmas and New Year that's coming, uh, new year that's coming up. So I hope everyone's enjoyed the show. Hope everyone has enjoyed our series that has just finished which you can check out on our other YouTube channel. And like Byron said before, get in contact with us at any time you want. Facebook, you can email the show, podcast at paceproductionsuk.com. We get lots of emails from people, so we try and get back to you as quickly as possible. And we give away prizes every two weeks on the show. We forgot to mention that. We've actually just finished giving seven days worth of prizes away, which are being boxed up. Well, they were being boxed up today. Um, We have so much cool stuff to give away in the coming year. We've got more Power Monkey packs. We've got more... Um, Bushnell kit. Bushnell kit. kit. We've got some... Hornady stuff. Hornady stuff. We've got some Caldwell stuff. Uh, a huge amount of stuff and we shipped all over the world so in the last seven days uh, one of the winners is in Seattle the we've got I'm sure we sent a competition one to Canada not long ago Isla White and one went to Norway a few weeks ago as well so our prizes are going all over the world yeah they are indeed uh, thanks very much for listening we're going to be back oh. in two weeks oh. Oh, hello from Russia cool Instagram and YouTube channel Okay, well, now we've got a Russian listener too. I don't think we had any Russian listeners before. So that's great. Yep, so thank you for our our new Russian listener. Download on iTunes and then you can come up on our stats as well. Um, For the people, you just mentioned our Instagram account. We have an Instagram account. It's pace underscore brothers. We put up lots of pictures on there. And they're cool pictures. Yeah, they're cool pictures. Um, I think that's us. We are away hunting for the next two days. So we're going to be off the grid, thankfully. I'm looking forward to it, actually. Far too much time in the office recently. Thank you very much for listening, and have a good Christmas.